Well, good morning, Thrive Church. Um, before I get started, I want to say congratulations to Tom Call, who is our breakfast winner from last week. It was really great to see everyone's smiling faces um, uh, who at least chose to participate and, and post things on the, on the Facebook page. It was really cool to see, to see people. Um, Tom's probably enjoying Hertz Donuts and drinking orange juice right now. And uh, I think we're, we're going to try to do this again sometime in the future. So stay tuned for another one of those. Um, every single year in the springtime, when the weather starts to warm up just a little bit, I get antsy to get outside and to get into the garden. And um, I want to head out there, and I got lots of things I want to do and lots of... Um, visions for what it could potentially look like. And I really enjoy watching the things begin to grow and green up and it's a, it's a fun time of year. But when I get out there, um, I start using muscles that were dormant over the winter. So there's some stretching and there's some bending and there's some you know, leaning over and raking and shoveling and digging and crawling around in the dirt and all that. And I notice that it's not usually the very next day, but about two days later, there are parts of my body, well, let's just say they're rebelling. <laughs> they're a little bit sore uh, because I haven't used those muscles you know, all winter long. And, and frankly, you kind of forget. I'm like, I didn't realize I had a muscle back there as you begin to uh, roll out of bed and realize that your body has no desire for you to roll out of bed. With that in mind, um, we're in this new series called IRL, In Real Life. And we're using the book of James um, to explore what daily faith looks like. How we work out Christianity in our real lives in real time. And here's, here's the thing. I'm afraid that we go to church on Sundays and we sing some songs. We may close our eyes and pray um, when the pastor's praying. We listen to a sermon and then we see our brothers and sisters. And when we're done, we take our faith and we put it up on their shelf until we, until we meet again the following Sunday. Or we take it off the shelf when life gets rough. And when that happens, um, we find our, our faith a little sore, right? Because we haven't exercised it regularly other than kind of the once a week thing. And, and so your faith becomes like this unexercised muscle um, that you use. And when you're faced with some type of challenge or, or some type of resistance, you find yourself not, um, I hate to use a word, but you're not really performing the way that you would like to, that, that your faith isn't moving and supporting and, and interacting with, with that uh, set of circumstances like you thought it might. You know, daily use of our faith builds strength, and frankly, it builds confidence as well, and that's kind of what we're getting at here. That's what we're, we're attempting to do. And so for those of you who are reading along in the book of James with, with each Sunday, um, you may have n noticed something in our text. So in the first week, um, we talked about joy through trials. Remember that? 
Uh, are you finding joy in the pandemic? Or are you just finding, you know, despair and frustration, as the case may be? But James encourages us to count it as joy when we have these types of trials because it actually produces something in our lives. So you got to take kind of that, that big picture point of view. And then last week we talked about being slow to anger, slow to speak, and quick to listen. And uh, how are you doing with that? Because <laughs> that's a challenge as well. Um, we want to, to have some type of an awareness for what we're listening to or who we're listening to, as the case may be. And so if you were astute, you may have realized that we skipped a little section. And I'd like to head back into the book of James now, chapter 1, and finish off that section, or at least a, a big part of it. And so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So here we go. James chapter 1, and I'm beginning in verse 5. James writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This is the word of the Lord, and we believe it. And it's written in the bombastic tone that James often employs. Um, there's a, quite a bit of um, scholarship about how much Martin Luther did not like the book of James. Uh, he felt that it underscored um, some of his, or it, uh, uh, it uh, undermined some of his, um, his theology. Uh, part of me wonders if Martin Luther didn't like it because James could go toe-to-toe with Luther and being bombastic and being kind of in your face. I don't know. Uh, that's just my take on it. But there's something that we, we really need to understand here. The, the letter that James has written shares characteristics with both Greek moral philosophy and Jewish wisdom tradition. And, and, this kind of, and this makes sense, I think, uh, um, for this particular author because, you know, James was the leader of the Jerusalem church. So you have an educated individual living in a cosmopolitan area and would have had at least intellectual contact, uh, contact with some of the Greek philosophies, at least at some level. And so there's a familiarity, I believe, with those philosophies, and we find that threaded throughout throughout the the letter that he's written but at the same time he's also a Jewish male and so we know from uh, history that he would have been exposed to the Torah the law to the the prophets to the writings to all of the history and he would have been very familiar with Jewish wisdom tradition and so you have those two things that are happening within this um, within this letter And so here, what we find is uh, a very simple pattern. This idea of ask for wisdom and don't doubt. Very simple, little progression. Ask for it, ask for that wisdom, and don't doubt that you're going going to receive it. And I think, at least in my own mind, that, that James probably has the book of Proverbs in view as he's writing this. 
Now, there's a lot of points of reference that we could take in the book of Proverbs, in the Old Testament book of Proverbs, this collection of wise sayings. And we could reference a number of them. I'm going to choose one today just so that we can kind of see how this begins uh, to work itself out. So we're going to move to Proverbs chapter 2. I'll have it here on the screen for you. Let's pick it up right at verse 1. Proverbs chapter 2 beginning with verse 1. The author, most likely Solomon, writes, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, Verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So essentially he's saying, ask for it, look for it, seek wisdom out, value this. If you do that, then you'll begin to understand the fear of the Lord. And of course, we know later on, we read uh, the words, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The term is yarah, and that means awe or um, being overwhelmed uh, by something. It's not fear as being you know, scared and afraid, although that might be a, a consequence of it. But this is, you know, when you, uh, then you will understand the awe of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. That's what's taking place in this first part of, um, of chapter two. So ask for it. It's essentially what he's saying is go after it, seek after it, Look for it wherever you can and to value it. That's why they use the word, uh, use the term silver here. Uh, that's valuable. And so it's like that. And then he goes on in, in verse six and seven. He says, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright, the righteous. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. So ask for wisdom and then you will receive it because this is what the Lord does. The Lord gives wisdom. Asking and receiving wisdom is, is deeply Jewish in its roots. And I think that's what, what James has in, in view as he begins to write this little section. Now, I want to draw your attention to something <clears throat> because he also talks about this, this term double-minded. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. This is the person who doubts. And he is warning strongly against doubt. And here's the thing to remember. Greek philosophy, uh, especially the moral philosophers, and the Jewish sages um, both abhorred hypocrisy. You see, the, the, what we have to remember is that wisdom, what we learned in Proverbs chapter 2, is the Lord's to give. And to doubt, ultimately, um, is to speak and to live inconsistently. If you are asking for it, and it is something that the Lord wants to give to his people, then doubting that he will um, puts you in a very strange position. You are living and speaking 
inconsistently. And you are more or less denying the generosity of God and, and his goodness for that matter. And so uh, James is again saying very strongly, don't doubt, don't be double-minded. Believe that the wisdom is the Lord's and that he, and he gives it. We're going to come back around to that in just a moment. But if you think about where this um, section on wisdom is located within the first chapter, it makes sense. And I want to point this out to you. Um, it's in the middle of the passage. And so what we have is we have this um, need for wisdom in order to endure trials and have some joy. The thing that we, we were saying originally is you have to take this bigger picture because we know that trials produce perseverance and that eventually affects our faith. It strengthens it, but it takes a wise person to zoom out and see that bigger picture. And so wisdom is required if we are to endure trials. Because the easy thing to do is just to get angry and frustrated. And we often do that. We get frustrated with whatever it is that we're dealing with. And we look at the pandemic and we are seeing that underlying frustration work itself out in rather ugly ways, um, especially on social media. Let's just call it what it is. We see that out there and it's just underneath the surface and it is bubbling up and it is nasty and it is ugly. And the thing that I keep wondering is where's the wisdom in all of this? Where's the wisdom to look at a bigger picture to say, maybe there's something else that's going on here. Maybe there's something to our benefit. Maybe there's something that we can find some joy because God is at work. It's a hard position to take. And yet, that seems to be the type of thing that James is talking about here. Trials, tribulations, difficulty, challenges. Count those things for joy. That takes wisdom. No doubt about it takes wisdom. But at the same time, it's a wise person who is quick to listen, slow to speak, <laughs> slow to type, and who's slow to, to get angry. It takes, it takes a wise person to do that as well, uh, I think. Um, I was thinking about that, and I, I remember a time when I was working in... Um, in industry, and I received uh, an email from someone. To this day, I don't remember the content of the email. I just remember that it frustrated frustrated me very quickly, and um, my temper flared. And I remember I got the email, and I got all upset about it, and I immediately sat down, and I started typing out another email, and probably said some things that I, I shouldn't have said, and just before I was ready to hit the send button, I, I thought to myself, hold up. And I went back and I reread the email. Turns out, in the first reading, I misread something. And that email wasn't as inflammatory as I originally thought. And I was so glad that I didn't hit the send button. Now, I'm not suggesting that I'm wise, but that was a wise decision at that moment in time to do that. And sometimes we have to be um, quick to listen or to read 
and slow to speak or to type and slow to become angry. And sometimes we have to go back and double check and make sure that we fully understand what's going on. Because very often the things that we get upset about, <laughs> we, we don't have the full story. We don't have the complete version of it. And a wise person uh, pumps those brakes a few times and says, wait a second, what else is going on here? And I think that's an important thing for us to remember. Now, um, you ask for wisdom, don't you? Um, I'm, I know that I've prayed with some of you and have asked for wisdom for you on occasion. So I know that you have. Um, around here, we often ask God for the wisdom to know what to do and, of course, the courage to do it. Because those are uh, two sides of the same coin. But here's the real question. This is the hard question. This is the one that kind of gets us to the, to the daily aspect of our faith. When you ask for wisdom, do you believe it will come? Do you believe in your heart that God will give you that wisdom? And, and more, more specifically and more to the point, do you believe that God will give you, will give wisdom to you? Because I, I know that it's, it's, a, it's a common thing for people to say, well, God will give wisdom to someone else, but maybe not for me. And you wonder, and maybe you doubt a little bit. So the question is, do you believe that God will give wisdom to you when you ask for it? Or when someone else asks for it on your behalf? Do you believe that? See, I think that James uh, in this letter understands both human nature and he also under, understands um, the undermining work of Satan. I think he gets both of those very, very well and, and sees where those two things overlap. You know, how many times have we come across um, something important, like maybe a key decision that you have to make about, about your work or about your life or about, you know, something that's going on, a, a tough conversation that you ha have to have or a strained relationship and, and one of those moments and you know in your heart of hearts that you actually need some wisdom in order to manage it. How many times do we come across that? And yet there's this little voice in the back of your head that says things like, you should know better. A, 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 a Christian um, should be able to handle that. Or a real follower of Jesus wouldn't have gotten in this set of circumstances in the first place. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever heard that little voice? We all have. And it chips away at our confidence and it undermines our faith and it unsettles us. It's very likely that you've come across that, that you've experienced that, that you've said that to yourself. Somehow, somehow, you don't have what it takes in order to receive that wisdom because you shouldn't have been in that set of circumstances to begin with. 
But I want you to notice what James writes. And I think this is very important, and it's the, the piece that I think we skip over, uh, or we don't, we don't dig uh, more deeply into it. And here it is, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. And that's usually where we start. Stop. But notice how he goes on. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. Interesting, the term here, without finding fault, means without rebuke. God doesn't look at you when you need wisdom and shake his head and says, mm, man, you should have known better. You know, I, I've, I think I've answered this pretty clearly elsewhere. God doesn't do that. He gives generously to all without finding fault. There's no condemnation here. That's not what God is about. In fact, we know that Paul writes, there is no condemnation in Christ. Right? I mean, we've, we've, we've read that before. We've talked about that uh, on a lot of different occasions. So God gives generously to everyone, to all, without finding fault, without rebuke, with, without reproach. God's not up there doing this. No. He gives generously. He never says that we should know better. And I think that that it's that condemning sort of language that we play in our heads that actually sows the seeds of doubt. We wonder. God doesn't do that. God's about building faith, not about filling us with doubt. No, he gives wisdom freely and fully. That's who he is. Wise Solomon knew that in Proverbs chapter 2. And so did James, and now you do too. There's no reason to be double-minded here because we know that God gives generously to everyone without rebuke, without making you feel lousy about it. That's not from God. If you're getting a download of wisdom, it will be something that you need at the right time. And there will be some joy in it eventually, but it's not with certain condemning thoughts. That's not from God. You need to ignore those things. In fact, if you're getting those messages like somehow you should have known better or that uh, you shouldn't have gotten that set of circumstances to begin with or hey, maybe you're not a real Christian, you know what? The thing that you need to do is you need to, to shut that down and say, mm, that's not what the word says. Remember, spiritual warfare is truth overcoming lies. And the truth here is that God gives generously into all without rebuke. That's true. That's what we find in his word and that's what you need to, to count on. Anything else is not from God. And here's the thing. It's not about your worthiness. It's about the goodness of God. It's about the generosity of God. We don't have to focus on whether we're worthy or not. We can focus on, we can count on, we can have faith in, we can trust that God is good and God is generous. And this is one of the, the places where we see more or less a promise 
If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, it may come in a very surprising way, the timing of which you may not fully understand. Uh, Even the way it's delivered and how it's delivered and the words may all be at first a little bit confusing, but you can trust God that there is wisdom there and it will satisfy exactly what you need when you need it because he's good and he's generous. So I don't know where that um, hits you today, but we see all kinds of strife going on. We see all kinds of ugliness in the world um, and it's bubbling out of a lot of different people. And we need wisdom. We need wisdom to endure the trial with a certain amount of joy and we need wisdom in order hmm, to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Because there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger thing at play here. And our daily life fits into that somehow and that's when we trust God and ask him for that wisdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Today, we see what's going on in the world and we wonder about it. And and some people who are listening, I know, um, they've got some stuff going on in their own lives. It may have to do with a job. It may have to do with a relationship. It may have to to do with a, a big decision they need to make. I don't know all those things, but I trust that you do. And we also trust you for that wisdom. And so we are simply asking for it because that's what what James told us to do. Lord, we ask you for your wisdom to know what to do and the courage to do it. And I pray, Lord, that every person who um, goes into Monday, goes into next week, next month, even to the end of the year, whatever the circumstances are, that they would be reminded by your Spirit that you give wisdom generously to all without rebuke. It's something that you want to give us. Lord, I pray that that would build our faith, that would build our hope, that would build our trust in you. Thank you in advance for all you're going to do. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.